Hey, what's up, guys? It's Zach. Welcome to a special Thanksgiving edition of the official review. Join us today as we talk about different topics such as how do we think the college football rankings are going to shape up? Is it time to hit the panic button in Buffalo? Is Russell Wilson done in Seattle? And everybody's favorite segment, Zach Knows Basketball. And then we wrap it up with some MLB free agency predictions and a fun segment where we rank our favorite Thanksgiving dishes. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Official Review. I'm Mitchell Graham. And I'm Zach Brown. And it's Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy start to the holiday season. We yes, are back with an episode of the Official Review on Turkey Day, baby. How you feeling, Zach? Feeling good. Thanksgiving's a great holiday. Yes, it's it's a W holiday. Um, yes, sir. I mean, as you heard in the little intro, we are going to be talking about some Thanksgiving food today. So yes, sir. So we are going to be talking about that. So, um, just some special, uh, you know, scenario here because we're we usually record right after the college football playoff rankings drop. Um, today we are recording on a Monday, so the rankings haven't dropped. So I guess we can just kind of have a general discussion of what we watched this last weekend and what we have coming up this next weekend um because i mean a lot happened Mm -hmm. and a lot is bound to happen this next weekend so what's your what's the biggest takeaway from last week uh to start what's your biggest takeaway from last week um my biggest takeaway is just as i said things are starting to shape up in the college football playoff uh the pretenders are starting to get eliminated and the real contenders are starting to show themselves so um, I think I think things are looking really good. Um, I think Cincinnati, it's looking good for them to get their shot as long as certain things don't happen. Um, as long as if, if they can beat Houston in the AAC championship, they're in. I mean, and and I mean, I don't think at this point you can justify keeping them out. I know you had them losing to SMU. I thought that would I thought that there was a good chance of that happening. Wasn't yeah. even close. Game wasn't even close. Yeah. I'm going to have to issue a formal apology for that one because yeah. that was bad. I mean, that was bad. And like you said, yeah, Cincinnati's got a path. What Cincinnati's got to be big Georgia fans now, though, because if, yeah. Bama, if Bama beats Georgia, then there's three spots. You've got Bama and Georgia both in. You've got the winner of Ohio State. Michigan is in if they win the Big Ten championship. And then the Big 12 champion gets in if there's one loss. Yeah. So Cincinnati's out in that situation. Yeah, I think so. I think, and, you know, and just for, I didn't know exactly how we'd be starting this segment. So I kind of have what I think the top 10 will be tomorrow. Okay. Um, and I'm going to have gonna, mine as well. I could do that. Yeah. I'm going to start from number one. It's obviously going to be Georgia. Um, while I don't think Alabama should be number two, I don't think they're going to move. Um, Ohio State at three. Cincinnati at four, Michigan at five, yeah. Notre Dame at six, Oklahoma State at seven, which I think personally Oklahoma State should be at four for six. me. Oh. Oklahoma State's at yeah. four for me. Their their resume yeah. is better no. is better than Ohio State's. So, gotcha. um, and then at eight I've got Baylor, nine I've got Ole Miss, and ten I've got Oregon. Oregon drops down to ten after. Uh, after Do you want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about that loss for Oregon? I mean, it was they looked from the, tri- from the I start. Mean, I didn't yeah. get to watch a whole lot of that game. Um, I did. Because yeah. I, I was busy on Saturday night. But 
like that game just looked bad. Uh, the, Oregon, I, I mean, I, and I kind of expected Oregon to lose one of these two matchups with Utah, but I didn't expect them to get absolutely embarrassed. Like that was yeah. an embarrassment. And the thing is, is like this whole year, Oregon has been predicated on running the football, right? Right. And they could not do it at all with any yeah. of their running backs. It forced Anthony Brown to be a thrower or a passer, or whatever. And he didn't look good. Like they legitimately, there was never a point in that game where I'm like, okay, Oregon can come back and win this. They had no momentum the whole time and credit yeah. to Utah credit to Utah's fans. Cause that place was bumping the whole time. Um, I mean, it, they, Oregon had no shot, man. And now they have no shot at the playoff. Yeah. They're, I mean, it effectively eliminates any shot at a pac 12, uh, entrance into the college football playoff for, for yet another season. Yep. Um, and it's begging Washington. the question. Yeah. yeah. Go. Begging the question, uh, when is the Pac-12 ever going to get in again? Is it going to be, is it going to take an Oregon? Oregon <laughs> is realistically the only team that we think can do it at this point. At this point, yes, but I don't think they will because honestly, I think Mario Cristobal is a little bit overrated as a coach. I know he's on a lot of people's radar every year whenever there's a coach opening but he's a little overrated. He's got like, I think he has a 500, maybe slightly better than 500 record against unranked conference opponents. Yeah, That's not good. That's, no, it's um, not good at all. If, if you're, if you're supposed to be the cream of the crop in the pack 12 and you're supposed to be the one representing the pack 12 in the playoff, you can't have a 500 record against unranked conference opponents. You just can't. And he's supposed to, he's supposedly the heir apparent to Nick Saban as well. So like, I mean, like that, that has, I mean, he can't do that at Alabama. He'll be ousted after one year. Exactly. Now, if he were to take over at Alabama, um, you know, he would be automatically getting better talent, probably recruiting wise, but still really, three legitimately, really, whoever, whoever takes over after Nick Saban is going to, that's the, that's going to be the most high pressure job ever. Yeah, because you're going to have to live up to those expectations. Exactly. And I think if Alabama's not careful, once Saban's gone, they're going to find themselves in a Tennessee, Florida situation where they're just constantly firing coaches and they're never going to be able to catch up. Yeah, that might that might be a job that not a lot of people want to take. Exactly. Because unless Saban leaves with a really like veteran team that's got some some young guys. Like he leaves on a year where they've got more veterans than young guys. If he mm-hmm. leaves after that and you've got guys who are already established into the system. I think that would be a more desirable spot. But you're like, I mean, because basically every year Alabama's got a new team. Right. Like they're retooling. They don't rebuild. They retool. Right. We hear it every year. Um, yeah. And if a, a coach going into a situation where it's a bunch of new players in the system, he's not going to be say No one's going to be Saban. Right. So, right. I mean. He's going to come in and lose two or three games and people are going to calling for his head after two or three games because Bama doesn't lose two or three games. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the 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 bad position that their fan base is going to be in the day that he retired. I think Saban's probably going to coach another 10 years. I think he even said that. But, um, you know, that's going to be kind of be the, the bad predicament that they're going to find themselves because they're going to be so spoiled with winning. They'll get a new coach. They'll lose two or three games, and then they'll think this guy sucks. Well, no, yeah. it's, he's just not saping, and you got to give yeah. the guy some time. But they're going to be completely impatient, and they could really run the risk of damaging their program by, you know, running 
running out a new coach every three years. Well, so what I kind of think is going to happen is right after Bear Bryant left the program way before my time, right? Bear mm-hmm. Bryant retired. They had a couple years where they sucked. Mm-hmm. And then they found Saban from LSU, if I'm not mistaken, or he came back from the NFL and went to well, Bama. But the, the time between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban was like 40 or 50 years. That was a long period of time in between. And, okay. and the, it's from, from my understanding, again, I wasn't watching college football in the 90s. I'm only 25. But in the 90s and early 2000s, Alabama wasn't good. They were just mediocre. Okay. They just, they were See, just, they, they weren't for, very good. For some reason, I thought Bear Bryant was a lot, like, coached a lot later into the 90s or into the 1900s than I thought. Like, I thought he was kind of. I, I could be wrong, but I know there was probably at least two decades in between, okay. in between time there. I, I look, what my, my point stands is I, they'll find another gym. Yeah. Bama is a football school, right? Like they're going to find a guy um, before this year and seeing what he's done at Texas. Sark was a guy that I was like, could take back over if he reinvents himself at Texas. He could take over at Alabama. But now I don't see that, especially because Texas is going to be a six loss team in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think Nick Saban, in a way, has kind of ruined coaching in college football because now everybody looks at Saban and says, wow, look at the success he's had. Why isn't our coach that successful? And me and you, even as Georgia fans, sometimes, and probably more so me, I look at what Alabama's doing, and then I see Georgia. Last year, we lost two games. I'm like, that's unacceptable. Why, why can't yeah. we be better than this? But a 10-2 and two season, or of course, we only played 10 games last year, so 8-2 and two yeah. is, is very, very good. And mm-hmm. so Saban is almost, and this is not Saban's fault, he's just the GOAT, but he's just kind of ruined coaching because now everybody's like, man, look how great he is. Why, why is my team not this good? Yeah, why why is my suck? coach? Yeah. Why, why, is, why is my coach not this good? Yeah. So I mean, I credit, the, credit to Saban for, for being the GOAT, but that's just kind of what's happened. I've heard um, kind of switching a little bit here to coaching carousel. Um, I was sent something a little bit earlier that LSU has narrowed down their search to three candidates. They've narrowed it down to... Um, Dave Aranda, Billy good. Napier, and Matt Campbell. Those are all Iowa good State. options. Those, Those are, are good, good options. options. I, I agree. I think LSU is a very desirable job right now. So they so um, they moved off the whole Lincoln Riley thing that they're not. They're I'm, not I'm even. Guessing, I'm guessing that they've moved off of that completely. But yeah, I mean, out of those three, honestly, I think Billy Napier might be the guy you give a chance. Yeah, I mean, he's already coaching in the New Orleans area. Yes. So it wouldn't be much of a transition. Um, now, he doesn't have any power five coaching experience. But I mean, he's some, at some point, he's got to have a shot. But I think LSU, um, they're going to want to go for a coordinator for, at Bama. That's power five head coaching experience is what okay. I'm talking about. Well, then, yeah. And I think I think they're going to want to go for I don't think they should, but I think they're going to want to go for a little bit more of a splash hire. I think Matt Campbell, if you look at the talent that he has at Iowa State and how successful he's been, he's done tremendous. That's, that's pretty darn good what he's yes. done there. That would be a solid hire. And uh, your, who's the first person you said? Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda. I think Dave Aranda would be great just coming right back to LSU. He's only two years removed from when he was there. So some of those recruits he probably would already know and have relationships with. I mean, I think so he recruited Stingley, so maybe he yeah. could keep Stingley around. So, yeah. so there wouldn't be you – know, a lot of times when you tra- uh, transition coaches, a lot of p- players want to transfer out. 
because they don't know this guy and they they weren't recruited by this guy. But if they get mm-hmm. Aranda, they can keep a lot of those recruits because they're all familiar with him, or at least most of them would be familiar with him. I think Billy Napier would be a good hire, but I think Aranda would be the best. Now, yeah. the question is, does Aranda want to leave a good a good place in Baylor and go to the most go to the most high pressure conference. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like if you're talking about ready to move on, Matt Campbell might be the most ready to move on. Right. Because he's been in that situation at Iowa state. He's kind of plateaued. If we're being Mm -hmm. completely honest, I think they reached their peak. Um, and I don't know if they're going to get much better because they're losing Brees Hall. They're losing Brock Purdy. Um, and we saw at that game against Oklahoma this week, their backup's not very good. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think he's kind of peaked at Iowa State. I think uh, Campbell could be a legitimate option. And he's got enough of a winning mindset and a prowess already as a power five coach. He could attract LSU, LSU fans, LSU, the AD and stuff to hire him. So I think that is a good hire. Um, the guy I really wanted to go over there was Mel Tucker, but he's he just signed an extension with Michigan State. So I don't think he's going mm-hmm. anywhere. Well, the good news, if you're an LSU fan and you're listening to this, is all three of those options are solid options. Very none of those, none yes. of those are bad options. So that that's the good news. The only bad thing about hiring Napier is every single time LSU Bama plays, you're going to have to hear about the Saban coaching narrative, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. even though Jimbo broke it, Jimbo broke the narrative, but still, we're going to hear about it in two weeks when Georgia plays Bama at the SEC championship game. Right. We're going to hear about it. Um, you hear about it every single time Lane Kiffin plays them. And whenever Texas starts playing them, you hear it. Right. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing that you have to live up to is every single year. It's always been the, the kind of the non star names that would knock off Saban. Right. Like mm-hmm. um, homeboy at Ole Miss a couple years ago, who's coaching at Liberty now. Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze beat him up. twice. Hugh Freeze yep. beat him twice. Malzahn's beat him a couple times. Orgeron beat him like a guy like Matt Campbell feels like the kind of guy that can go out and beat Saban. Yeah. If that makes definitely. any sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, especially like I said, you're not getting a lot of five-star recruits at Iowa state. I mean, yeah. kids don't want to go to the cornfields of Iowa and play football, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's going to be a lot easier to recruit them to Baton Rouge, which is just outside of New Orleans. It's going to be a lot your ear in you the get South to play in Death Valley. Yeah. You yeah. get to play in the SEC. You're going to get more exposure for the NFL. Yeah. It's going to be a lot easier to recruit to LSU. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so switching gears here, I kind of, I mean, what my biggest takeaway, I guess, from week one was just how dominant Ohio state looked. We can be kind of short with this. Um, Ohio state beat Michigan state by the same score. Georgia beat Charleston Southern. So, I mean, honestly, obviously Georgia pulled off, right? They could have beaten them by more. And so did Ohio State. Ohio State pulled off. So yeah. those teams, to, in my opinion, are set to have a collision course in the national championship, which scares the crap out of me as a Georgia fan. Yeah. Because that team just, like, I don't know how you stop them, right? Like, Penn mm-hmm. State did a decent job about stopping them in the red zone. You Nebraska have to give up on too. Nebraska did decent, but... I just feel like this team now is taking that next step. So they, how, them playing so good, a big game against Michigan this week, and I'll trans, transition that into my what I'm looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. Ohio State versus Michigan. The big game. The yep. game, right? Like game day in the will big, be there. In the big house, right? So yeah. that game, it, this is, for me, the biggest storyline coming out of this. This is Harbaugh's chance. 
Yes. This is Harbaugh's yes. chance. I think it's now or never for Harbaugh. Yes, I agree because this team this year for Michigan, I had a lot of doubts about them, right? Um, week four, I mean, anyone that watched, I mean, you watched fourth and wrong. On fourth and wrong, I came out there and said Rutgers would beat Michigan. Yeah. Rutgers, right? Coached by Greg Schiano. Rutgers has never killed. They killed Rutgers. They didn't. It was a seven point game, but it was late points made it closer than it was. Right. So. Anyways, I've doubted the Michigan team all year, right? I picked I think I picked Michigan State to beat them and that happened, right? But mm-hmm. they're they're playing good football. The way they play, they can take possessions away from Ohio State. Yeah. They so and that's how Georgia's going to have to beat them, right? Mm-hmm. But if Michigan beats them, is Michigan a team as a Georgia fan that you are scared of? Uh I'm less scared of Michigan than I would be of Ohio State. Reason being is because Michigan hasn't really blown anybody out this year, but they're mm-hmm. but they're winning. They're winning against good teams, or they're finding ways to win. Yeah, and that's that's more of a mark of a good team than just blowing people out. Finding ways to win when it's hard, because their offense at times just seems so stagnant, and sometimes they just kind of get away from what works. And I don't know why Harbaugh's still doing the whole quarterback shuffle. He needs to just stick with one guy. It lost and them the Michigan State game. Exactly. He needs to stop doing that. But Michigan just keeps finding ways to win games when they're struggling. Even when they're struggling, they're finding a way yeah. to win. And that's a mark of a good team. This Michigan team is a good team. Michigan fans have a right to be encouraged and excited about this team. Mm-hmm. And as we just said, this is now or never for Harbaugh. You don't beat them this year. You're probably never going to. Um, yeah. And in, is, is the game in Ann Arbor? Yes, it's in the big house. Okay, so that's a big advantage for Michigan. It has a big advantage though. for Michigan. I know it hasn't mattered in the past, but in preparation for this week, Harbaugh has got to be willing to do whatever it takes to win this game. I agree. Literally All whatever the, it takes. You got to pull everything out. Like Orgeron tried against Bama. Fake punts, yeah. fake, like, going for it on fourth down in early situations. Yeah. Like, you can't be... If you go out there, and this is the worst thing that can happen, Michigan Michigan gets the ball first, right? Mm-hmm. They go out there, get a quick three and out, two incompletions and a two-yard run, right? Punt it away. Ohio State scores in three plays. You're done at that point, right? Like, I mean, I, I not feel- necessarily, but it, 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 that's, Michigan's not really built to come from behind. That's a mental killer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You need to start this game out feeding Quorum, right? You need to feed Quorum. You need to feed Haskins. Don't make McNamara beat you, right? Like McNamara is a good quarterback. He's an efficient quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Jake Fromm, the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, that's no no comparison, right? Obviously, Jake Fromm, a very good quarterback, one of my favorites, but they play very similar styles mm-hmm. in the game. They rely on their run game. They can throw the deep ball if they have to. They can be mobile if they want. But McNamara is not going to win the game. Right. That the, the game is going to have to be shortened for Michigan to win this game. And yeah. you're going to have to take the ball out of Shroud's hands. Stroud could have very well threw for 10 touchdowns against Michigan State. Yeah. That secondary was doing uh, nothing. I think Michigan State's biggest issue was that they didn't try to feed Walker. Like he had like the three biggest issues. They have the worst secondary in college football. I, that too. But. Walker had three carries by halftime. Yeah. I mean, I mean they were down I, I don't 21. know what they were doing. I don't so, know what they were doing. 
Yeah. But 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 that just tells me that even early on in the game, they weren't trying to run the ball. So there was a big fumble in the second drive. So it's it's 14 to nothing. Ohio State there. Uh, Michigan State's moving down the field, about to score a touchdown. Backup running back fumbles the ball. At that point, I'm like, dude, this game's over already. Yeah. So you cannot give the Ohio State defense, which is not as strong. I think the better defense in this game is Michigan's defense. Yes. But yes. You and and Ohio State yeah. has struggled against the run, so they've so back to your point, they got to feed the running game. They yes. got to feed it, and the only the only way that you get away from the run game is if it's if you're getting nothing. Yeah. If you're if if, it, if they're stuffing you every time, then of course you got to change what you're doing. But I mean, you got to run the ball in this game. Michigan's got to mm-hmm. got to be Michigan's got to play clock control to win this game. They do. That's 100%. what they have to do. Yes. What's your biggest thing you're looking forward to this next week? Um, you know, that Ohio State Michigan game probably, but Bedlam. I'm looking forward to yes. Bedlam. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, you a know, chance for I, your team to prove it. Yeah, this is a chance for the pokes to not choke. Yeah. Uh yeah. So many years I mean, seems like almost every year Gundy has a great team and then they choke every single time. Yeah. They, they have they have they're in the playoff conversation. I saw a graphic today that they're one of only, I think, eight teams that have been in the top 10 in the college football rankings at least five times. Um, wow. So they always have a good team, but then they always end up choking and losing a game they shouldn't lose. Oklahoma cannot move the ball at all. Their offense is, I don't even know what their offense is this year. Oklahoma State shocking. has got to win this game. And I know the Big 12 does this weird thing with like point differentials in, in the mm. case of a tie. So I think Oklahoma State, if they don't want to play Oklahoma again, they need to try and score as much as they can so that they'll have to play Baylor instead it's of Oklahoma. That late field goal that Dave Aranda kicked, right? Yeah. Um, against Oklahoma is why he did that. So if Oklahoma loses the game, no matter what the margin is, Baylor is in. Okay. So there you go. So Oklahoma State has only got to worry about Oklahoma once. Beat yep. him. Beat him at Bedlam. Is the game in or at Oklahoma State or Oklahoma? Keep talking and I'll find out. So wherever, wherever it is, Gundy's got to find a way to win this game. Oklahoma State's got to win. They've got to get the monkey off their back of not being able to beat Big Brother Oklahoma. Beat them. Move on to Baylor. Uh, they had a really close game last time they played. I think it was 24 to 21 was the final score. It's in Stillwater, by the way. It's in Stillwater. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's advantage Oklahoma State. You're going to have the crowd behind you. They got those big paddles. I love the Oklahoma State crowd. They're they're crazy. But it seems like they always lose. And they don't just lose. They lose heartbreakers against Oklahoma. Yeah. Don't lose a heartbreaker. It's it's like Georgia versus Bama. Yeah. Don't lose. This is where you got to get over the hump right here. And I think you win this game, you go on, you beat Baylor. No doubt in my mind, Oklahoma State is in. Deserves if Gundy, that spot. If Gundy has a big year with Oklahoma State, gets him to the college football playoff, could he be a could be in, in the running for a Florida job or a LSU job or something like that? He's never leaving Oklahoma State. He's gonna retire there. He's already been he's already been there like what, eleven or twelve years. Yeah. At this point, he's not leaving. Yeah, he's gonna be like Schneider. Yeah. At Kansas State. I think he's going to be a lifer at Oklahoma State. 
I can see it. I was just throwing it out there. Sweet. Well, that that kind of I mean, this is gonna be a good week for college football, man. Um, yes, sir. Rivalry week is always always gives us some chaos, and it starts early Thursday nights. The Egg Bowl. It's gonna be entertaining as crap. Uh, uh-huh. That game is gonna be that game's gonna be really really good. Um, you've also got some interesting games on Friday. You got Cincinnati, East Carolina. East Carolina seven and three. East kind East Carolina's gonna look to play spoiler there. So that's a game you need to watch out for. Uh-huh. Big time, big time game right there. East Carolina um, also only beat Charleston Southern by three. So East Carolina also only lost to bowl eligible South Carolina by three. So, <laughs> so they're, they're a bipolar team is what you're telling they are me. They're a very bipolar team, <laughs> but they'd be eight and two if they didn't have to play South Carolina. Yeah, that that's probably true. And uh, another interesting thing to say about the egg bowl game. Interesting to see if the, uh, the Lane Kiffin to Miami rumors affect Ole Miss and how they play. No, I don't think so. That's stupid. I don't I don't I don't think that's happening. I, I think I, I mean, we said the same thing about Lincoln Riley. And while I don't think he's going to LSU, those rumors may well have distracted that team when they lost to Baylor. You're right. I mean, I just don't I, that just doesn't feel right, man. Like Link, it'd be a great hire for Miami, but I just don't know. I think this is Lane Kevin's best chance to really settle down and build a program. I agree with you, but. The thing about it is people don't let things leak unless you want it to leak. Lane Kiffin wouldn't let something like that leak unless he wanted it to get out because there's been no attempts by Lane Kiffin to like be like, oh, that's not true. Or I never said that on social media. He's been completely quiet about it. So that makes me a little suspicious. Now, Miami hasn't fired Manny Diaz. So the job's not available right now. And they're playing better football right now, too. Exactly. Miami's been playing a lot of better, exactly. so, a lot of better football. Yeah. So look, it's interesting. I'm just wrapping this up right here. It's interesting to see what happens this week. Egg Bowl is definitely that's another look at it. Um, Mississippi State's also playing really, really good football right now. Mm-hmm. After that comeback, um, looks like Will Rogers is going to be a problem next yes. year. Um, but it is the Mike Leach offense. So they're going to get figured out one or two games. They'll lose a couple games every single year. Yeah. Anyways, that that kind of wraps up college football this week. Um, interested to see what the playoff rankings look like tomorrow. Obviously, Oregon will move out. Cincinnati will probably move in. Uh, but let's let's transition into the NFL, man. All right, moving on to the NFL. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, things we want to cover today, and then we'll go into our uh, picks for the week. Sweet. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about is it panic time for Buffalo? Is it panic time for Buffalo? <sighs> They've they've had a couple games where they just can't seem to score. They got blown out by the Colts this past weekend. Um, so what do you think? Is it panic time for Buffalo? I'll just start off by saying the 40 to 15 score was a score agami. It is the first yes. time that that was a final score in the NFL. And if you know about score agami, because I love score agami. Right. Mm-hmm. That is that's so cool. Yes. It's like the 1070th unique score. Anyways, back to your question. No, it's not panic time for Buffalo. Right. Because what they're lacking right now is a run game. They do not. They're putting way too much pressure on Josh Allen. And I think this is going to figure out. Right. Because I think Sean McDermott is one of the most underrated head coaches in all of football. Mm-hmm. He he's he's going to get his team playing well. They're six and four. They're one game out of the division right now. They're going to make the playoffs and you put Josh Allen, all that offense into the playoffs. 
That defense is going to figure it out. They're going to figure out how to run the ball. I'm not worried about Buffalo. I still think right now, the only thing I'd be worried about for them is their championship ceiling because I feel like playing the way they are right now, they're not going to win a championship, especially because I think we'll get into it a little bit later. Kansas City's playing a lot better now. Yeah, they are. And to your point, they can't run the ball. You're not going to make it very deep in the postseason if you can't run the ball. But they're going to figure that out. Are they, though? They haven't shown through 10 games that they have really figured it out. Well, it's because they only run eight times. Like, if they, they've, they can sit down and game plan more runs. Like, that's I mean, not an it. But Brian Dable at this point should, should know that that's got the, the game plan that's going to best benefit Josh Allen. Through 10 games, you're six and four because you can't run the ball. I got that's, that's Dable's fault. So, yeah. Just just to come out and say that they're just going to figure it out. I mean, that's not if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, which I'm not, that's not a good enough answer for me. Like, yeah. look, we've got to run the ball. And, you know, the deadlines pass. You can't make a deal for a running back. You know, Dude, something's got to be concerned done. about them, though. No, I st- like I agree with you that they're going to make the playoffs. I agree. They they'll probably still win that division. Um Though the Patriots are playing really good right now, and they play the Patriots um, twice in the next in the to end the season, exactly. Right? So they've got a stretch right here. And this is why I'm not I'm not panicking yet. This is they've got a stretch. Saints on tonight when this releases Thanksgiving mm-hmm. night. They've got the Patriots the next week Monday Night Football. Then they play the Buccaneers. Then they play the Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, Jets. They win the last two weeks, obviously. So that's that's three games where it's a toss-up if they win or not, and then probably the, oh, they win all the other ones. Yes. So they finished the Saints. 10 and yeah. 7. 10 and 7, that's, that's, a, that's a good that's record. A wild card. That's a wild card spot. But they've played terribly and lost to two teams that are not on their level. So if they drop the another Colts, one of those games... You don't think games, the Colts are on their level now? No. I think the Colts no, are playing... No, I think, I think the Colts are amazing. And like you know, I've said it, multiple times on the show i thought the colts would win that division and with derrick henry out maybe they could catch up to the titans we'll talk about that but uh you know the colts are a good team but the colts are not to the level of the bills quite they're not quite to the level of the bills in the way they played against the jags that's two that's two teams that you've played where you just really struggled to move the ball like that's like twice in what three weeks do you think this is more of a complacency thing for the Bills? Like they know they're good and they're kind of just not going out there and giving their full effort and full attention to teams? Possibly. I mean, because the Jaguars, like they're better than that, right? Yeah. They're not, but it's they also, are not it, a six points per game kind of team. It's also the NFL. I mean, yeah. On every, every team has the best players in the world. So it's, this is not college football where, you know, you should be blowing teams out by three touchdowns. If you know, if it's a Georgia versus Charleston Southern, okay, that's an expected score. Yeah. You should blow that team out. The NFL, that's not very common uh, to get yeah. blown out. is not is not is not a regular occurrence. So the Bills getting blown out, but and the fact that they allowed five rushing touchdowns to Jonathan Taylor, like the Bills are, Four are rushing at, touchdowns, one receiving. It's okay. Okay, five touchdowns to Jonathan Taylor. They've been historically known as a pretty good defensive franchise that was the number one defense going into the game and it wasn't a good defensive performance for them 
Like, look, I'm not saying it's panic time in Buffalo, but there's definite concerns there that I don't think should just be brushed off and say, oh, that's not a problem. We're we're good. We'll make the playoffs. I think it's just tale of two Buffaloes, right? Because going into this game, Buffalo had the highest uh, uh, win margin in the NFL. They were averaging 31 points per game. They were only allowing 15. So I think I think we can hold that we can halt the brakes like we've said last week, right? After Thanksgiving is when the real when it when it all starts and the Patriots are starting early. The Patriots are starting to play very good football. Mm -hmm. So we'll see, man. I think this is all I think panicking for some teams is rightful at this point. But panicking for the Bills, a Bills team that's just coming off an AFC championship game. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's time. That's fair. The next thing we're going to talk about, Tennessee and Tannehill, Tennessee (laughs) and Tannehill. Man, Tannehill looked awful. I mean, he had a 58 QBR against the Houston Texans, the worst team in the NFL. Well, arguably between the Lions and the Texans are the worst team. Okay. One of those teams. 58 QBR through four interceptions, threw the ball 52 times in that game. And here's the thing. I know you like Ryan Tannehill. You love Ryan Tannehill a lot. This is why I don't think that he is an elite level quarterback, because when they can't run the ball, Tannehill can't win games. When Tannehill's got to throw the ball 40 to 50 times, it's not going to work. They're not going to win. When Tannehill can, is limited to maybe 25 to 28 throws, t- that's right in Tennessee's sweet spot. Tennis, Tannehill can win those games nine times out of 10. But Texas, or not Texas, Houston stopped that run game so effectively and forced Tannehill to have to throw the ball. Now I get it. Derrick Henry's out. Their leading rusher was Adrian Peterson with like 32 yards or something like that. Yeah, it's okay. And their second best runner was out. Jeremy McNichols did not play. Yeah. So at this point you see that game. And if I'm game planning against Tennessee, which they've got a big game against the Patriots this week, Bill Belichick, defensive genius. All I got to do now is stack the box because I don't trust Tannehill to throw 55 times a game. Yeah. Oh, look, with, with Tannehill, man, like, I just feel like, yeah, obviously he played bad. He threw four picks. You don't throw, I mean, against unless Houston, you're Nathan, unless you're Nathan Peterman, you don't throw four picks in an NFL game or Curtis Painter. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who the heck is that? Um, okay. You could have made up that name and I would have been like, okay. I mean, no. Curtis Painter played for the Colts like the year after Manning left. He was like a fourth string I quarterback. I got you. Anyways, Tannehill, yeah, through four picks, he played bad. But like, like we've, like we need to understand here is the whole identity of the Tennessee Titans is running the football. So when you completely take that away, yeah, they're gonna struggle in every, and I know it's the Texans, right? Like if they if they struggled against the Packers or something, no one would be freaking out because it's the Packers, which the Packers just lost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think this is something that's definitely got to concern Tennessee fans, but also with no Derrick Henry, they've beaten the Rams. Yeah, I mean that's. That's also true. And, and this is just this is just one game. One game. One game. Yeah. I understand that. But I mean, it, it's 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 Houston and Houston is, is, is atrocious. I mean, they have a motivational speaker running their pro running their football team. 
<laughs> and you got pretty much dominated by them. Look, Tannehill, again, I'm not ever going to say he's a bad quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. But he's not, in my opinion, he's not elite level because the elite quarterbacks, look, when something's not working, I can, I can depend on you to go out there, throw it 40 to 50 times and lead us to a victory. Tannehill yeah. couldn't do that. And they have two really good wide receivers. I think A.J. Green is still hurt, but they you still have... A.J. Brown? Yeah, no, not A.J. Sorry. Um, Julio Jones is hurt. That's what I meant. And I think A.J. Brown is healthy. I don't know you why know, I said A.J. One of those AJ... old SEC wide receivers. <laughs> I don't know why I said A.J. Green. I guess I've still got Georgia on the mind. Yeah, but Julio okay. Jones, is, I think, is still hurt. Maybe not. But, I mean, you've got a good wide receiving core. You've got a good team. And you go out after beating the Rams, and then you come out and you lose to the Texans. I don't know. I think Tennessee's fine. I think that, you know, as long as they stay the course, they'll still win the division. They'll get, they'll probably win at least one game in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, Tannehill yeah. did not play well this past weekend. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Next subject the Vikings win a potential season saver against the Packers. Look, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, yes, I was you. wrong on the Vikings. I was wrong on the Vikings. I said that they were not good. I know they had lost a lot of close one-possession games, but I just wasn't satisfied with kind of the play call and how they were losing these games. But you know what? The Vikings have a lot of grit. They, they play till the very end, and that was a big win against the Packers. That's a big win, and that's a potential season saver. They've got an MVP candidate at quarterback. Hey, I like Kirk Cousins. I think twenty-one touchdowns, two interceptions. I think Kirk Cousins gets uh, gets dogged on way too much. You like that? Yeah, I I I like Kirk Cousins. I think Washington would be in a much better spot had they never let him walk. Um, I mean, they have Taylor Heineke. Imagine if they had Kirk Cousins. I mean, they'd be winning more games right now, dude. Yeah. He's not. He's not. Gonna, he's not the. He's not the future for Washington. Okay. He's no, not a he's franchise not. quarterback. No. no. But hey, and and the criticism of Kirk Cousins is he can't win primetime games. He can't win big games. But hey, he won a big game against the Ooh, Packers. Yeah. That's yep. a season saver. That is a season yeah. saver. And in the NFC right now, five and five is getting you into the playoffs. Yeah. So they're a playoff team. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play that team in the playoffs. Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, you've got uh, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins playing uh, playing great, and then you've got on that defense, yeah, the secondary kind of sucks, but you've got Daniil Hunter, you've got Anthony Barr, Michael Kendricks, like guys that are just going to hit you hard and play fundamental football. That's a team I don't want to play. Yeah, I think the Vikings are a team that kind of just got off to a slow start, but they're starting to hit their stride a little bit now, and uh, I think that's a big confidence booster that win this past weekend. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, next thing we're going to talk about is Russ done in Seattle. Um, the reason why I mentioned this is, look, Russell Wilson. And what I mean by is Russ done in Seattle is Seattle moving on from Russell, though. That's not what I'm saying. I think Russell Wilson is sick and tired of Seattle and he's going to leave at the end of the season. His frustrations with this team. We saw it in the past offseason. He was so frustrated with Seattle, threatened to leave. There was rumors of him going to different teams. And Seattle made things a little bit better by letting him have a say in who, who they hired at offensive coordinator. And it's not fixing anything. 
It hasn't fixed any of their problems. They're sitting at three and seven. The season's pretty much a wash at this point. I mean, it's yeah. going to take a miracle for them to make the playoffs. And I think Russell Wilson is 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 going to be out the door. He's like, look, I've put up with this long enough. Um, I I don't think him and Pete Carroll get along. I think Pete Carroll has way too much power in that organization. Um, he doesn't. They haven't drafted well the last couple of years, and I think Russ wants a little bit more emphasis on offense on offense, whereas Pete Carroll is just a defensive minded coach that wants to run the ball a bunch. I don't think that's the way Russell wants to play. And I think he's getting frustrated and I think he's going to leave at the end of the season. Russ isn't helping himself out though. He's not, he has not looked good in these last two weeks. He's came back. They've scored a total of 13 points in two games. They got blanked by the Packers and against, they lost to Arizona starting Colt McCoy. I understand that Russell Wilson hasn't, hasn't looked the greatest, but I think he's still kind of dealing with injuries. And again, I think he's frustrated. I think he's just frustrated at the, at the play call, the way the offensive coordinator has been, has been handling this team. Um, I, I, I could seriously see Russell Wilson walk out the door. He, Russell, I think, understands that his window of opportunity to win another Super Bowl is weighing on his mind, and he wants, he wants another chance at it. Seattle is kind of at a place right now but the only way they make the playoffs at this point is they're going to have to blow the team up and rebuild mm. because mm. Seattle likes to hold on to a lot of these older guys. And while they still have, uh, you know, a lot of great defensive pieces, they're getting old. Um, and they, they just don't have enough young pieces other than DK Metcalf. They've kind of missed on a lot of their draft picks. And so, look, they haven't had many draft picks. Yeah, they've they traded had... them all away for Jamal Adams, who can't, who has more interception or has the same amount of interceptions in his career than Vince Wilfork. Yeah, exactly. Jamal Adams is basically just a linebacker. He's not really he even a safety. He's just a linebacker. And they've already but, got a good linebacker. Exactly. So I think Seattle's kind of at a place where if they ever want to make the playoffs and be competitive. They're going to have to blow up the team. And I don't think Russ wants to be there for that. I don't think Russ wants to stick around for a rebuild. He's not. He's too old. Yeah. And and the problem is, is Seattle's not going to trade him unless Russell comes to them and says, look, I'm not, I'm not playing for you. You're going to have to trade me or I'm not playing. Yeah. Agreed. So uh, what are your thoughts? You think, you think Russ is done after this season? (sighs) Dude, I mean, I don't. it makes sense. I mean, everything you just said, I really don't have anything else to say about it. You can obviously tell he's out of it right now. The injury didn't help. Um, mm-hmm. And the Geno Smith didn't play well, obviously. So he came back onto a team that was three and five kind of reeling. And I just think his lack, his lack of ability to get DK Metcalf into the game plan and like get him involved. It sucks, right? Because like, DK is your best playmaker on the offensive end. And mm-hmm. obviously you don't have a running back right now. Alex Collins sucks. Yes. Like they need Chris Carson who can but never Chris stay Carson healthy. Is never healthy. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yes. And it's just, it's a shame because Russ and the Seahawks were so much fun to watch Legion of boom, all that, but it, their time is worn up. Like it, yeah. it's time for him to go to Chicago. What are you going to do with Justin Fields? Why would he go to Chicago? He sucks too. You can't. You can't give up on Justin Fields at, at this agree. early. You can't. I agree. You bring you Russell Wilson in, mentor Justin Fields for a couple of years. Okay. No, Russ is the kind of guy that's going to want to stick around for a while. 
I, I don't so think where does he can Russ do go? that. The Vegas. Send him. Send him. I think he's going to want to go somewhere that can help his brand because I think Russ is kind of at a point where he he cares a lot about his branding. Yeah. Um. So maybe a big, you know, maybe um, McVeigh gets a little frustrated with Matt Stafford and says, hey, get, wow. come on, Russ. Or, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe Cleveland. Cleveland's not not a great place where you're going to get a lot of the, the marketing and stuff. But that's a team that's ready to win. We talked about that last week. They're a quarterback away from from winning. And to kind of allude to what we talked about last week. Cleveland doesn't even have to trade for Derek Carr. Derek Carr's a free agent. You yeah. can sign him. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll, throw, I'll, I'll stay in that division, the Steelers. The Steelers? Absolutely. The Steelers have no backup plan. Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger is done after this year. He has to be. If yeah. I'm a Steelers fan, you cannot bring him back. You cannot bring him back. He looks, he looks so old. And just can't do it anymore. Yeah. But the problem with the Steelers is that they didn't prepare for this very well. Mm-hmm. They have no backup plan. Mason Rudolph is one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen he in the league. Terrible. Mason Rudolph he lost is all ability to play bad. quarterback when Miles Garrett hit him in the head. <laughs> yes. Mason Rudolph is really bad. They have no backup plan. So Russell no. Wilson to Pittsburgh, that could be an option too. You know, I think he's going to have his fair share of options. Maybe even Miami. If Miami gets tired of Tua, hey, Russell Wilson, Tua's come on gone. over here. Tua's yeah. gone. And Miami's, Miami's already done with Tua. They just have to find a backup plan at this they point. They want Deshaun Watson. That's who they want. Yeah. But we don't know his legal situation, how that's going to end up. So if I'm Miami, yeah. hey, yeah. Russ, you know, let me give you a call. So yeah. Uh, that was a good talk. Uh, something yeah. that I something that I want to uh, just kind of briefly mention. We we kind of just texted about this before we started the show. The USFL has been confirmed for spring of 2022 <laughs> with eight teams. Look, spring football. Lots of people have tried it. And it always fails. Okay, but the last year, or not last year, but the XFL, the most recent time that they rebooted, they actually had very good ratings and they were doing very well. Yep. Uh, a lot of their games were sellouts. They were doing very well financially. And then the pandemic hit. They had to cancel the season. A lot of things happened there. So I think the formula is there for spring football to work as long as that spring league doesn't try to compete with the NFL. You try yeah. to compete with the NFL, they're going to bury you. So mm-hmm. I think if they just try to maybe complement the NFL, maybe kind of make it sort of a developmental league or hey you know this is a chance where you can maybe revive your career here kind of like how the the canadian league is Mm -hmm. i think it can work they have a deal with fox to show their games the the what 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 happened with the uh the aaf is they were on an obscure channel that nobody owned so nobody could watch their games whereas the xfl was on fox people could actually watch the games I think that's kind of the the number one issue with spring football. Mm-hmm. You got to have some way for us to watch the game, and people who aren't into baseball in the spring, hey, they'll have something to watch in the USFL. You've so. got my biggest thing with spring football is you've also yeah you've got to have a place to put it. But you've also got to have players that people can get behind. So like a lot of the things for the XFL, like I immediately picked the Vipers because Aaron Murray was on that team. One of my mm-hmm. favorite college quarterbacks, right? They've got to have more players like that. You can um, you can still do that. You can give a call to all those players that were in the XFL 
and say, look, the XFL is not rebooting till 2023. So why don't you come to the USFL? Give us a chance. Play here. If you want to go back to the XFL next year, that's fine. But give us a chance. Give us a shot here. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. I, I, I know you have higher hopes for it, but I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch a whole bunch of XFL games, but the few mm. ones that I did watch were surprisingly entertaining. I was yeah, genuinely surprised by how entertaining some of those games were. So, I mean, hey, it could work. It could not work. Either way, I'm, no skin I randomly off our back. Selected, I randomly selected an XFL team because of one player, and they sucked. Like, that's just my luck, <laughs> right? They were the worst team in the league. Yeah. You yeah. picked the Roughnecks, you little... No, I, I didn't pick the Roughnecks. I was a Vipers fan, but I just really liked PJ Walker and how the Roughnecks played. Yeah. I wasn't a Roughnecks yeah. fan. I just kind of liked how they played. All right, moving on to our most anticipated game of the week. What you got for me? What do I have for you? Well, you got to pick a Thanksgiving Day game, right? Come mm-hmm. on. You've got to pick a Thanksgiving Day game. I am interested to watch the Raiders versus the Cowboys because oh. the Cowboys have not looked great on Thanksgiving the last couple of years. That's true, but this so, team is way different than the than agree, previous years. But they're coming off a tough loss. Tough loss. They're they going to have two wide receivers not playing, potentially. Cooper's out with COVID. CeeDee Lamb is going to be <sighs> possibly out with a concussion. Yeah. So number one guy is going to be Mac, Michael Gallup and Cedric mm-hmm. Wilson. Yeah. That's interesting, right? And the Ve- Vegas Dole Raiders. Schultz too. Dalton, Dalton Schultz, Schultz. Yeah. yeah, Blake Jarwin, all those players. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a Zeke game, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested to see if they can bounce back and start running the ball again. Because against the Chiefs, they, they did not make it an emphasis. And every single time the Cowboys have lost this year, they have not made the run game, which has been effective, an emphasis. And I get it. You were down Tyrone Smith, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he did not play. He's the anchor of that line. He's, the, he's your left tackle who's guarding your quarterback's blind side, right? So mm-hmm. he wasn't being he wasn't there. I understand you got to put up a better offensive performance than that. You just got to run the ball. It's a Raiders team that gives up a lot of yards. It's a team that but this is a Raiders team that's exciting to watch. Yeah. I mean, they're always moving at 156 miles per hour, right? Right. If you if you understand that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Henry um, Ruggs mm, joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, they've got. They've got Mr. I love sacks on the defensive line. Like, uh, come on. Like, yeah. they're a fun team. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy the Raiders with all the stuff that's happened with them this year. I think that's kind of completely derailed their season yeah. and a lot of their momentum this year. But the Cowboys held the highly explosive Kansas City offense to 19 points. Yes. Whereas the Raiders gave up over 40 to this team. So I think if our defense plays just as well as we did against KC, I think it's I think it's a W for the Cowboys in that game. Right. My most anticipated game of the week is the hmm, there's a lot of really good games this week, a lot. But I'm going to pick uh the Rams and Packers. Rams right. at the Packers. Right. I think the Rams desperately need a a good bounce back performance. Um two disappointing losses back to back. The Packers just had a disappointing loss, really a heartbreak. I mean, it wasn't so much disappointing as it was heartbreaking. They played well yeah. in that game. Um, but that was probably 
you know, I think the Vikings scored more on the Packers than anybody else. Packers have had a really good defense this year. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if Sean McVay can take kind of a little bit out of watch that tape, see what the Vikings did, implement that with his offense and get a bounce back win. Well, the biggest the biggest weakness on the Packers side right now is depth at corner. And the biggest strength for the Rams is depth at wide receiver, right? So they've got Odell, mm-hmm. Robert Woods. I think Cooper Cup should be back for this game. And you've got Tyler Higby. You've got guys I think that Woods, I think Woods is out for the year. That's, you're right. You're right. Woods is yeah. out for the year. But still, you've got Odell Beckham, Cooper, Cooper Cup. You've got a couple really. There's another guy that slips my mind. Deshaun Jackson got cut. I know that. Um, but anyways, I think that's a yeah, that's a really good matchup that can the Rams bounce back from some really bad losses the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. I think that's a very interesting game. Yes, sir. All right. Now let's go on to our picks of the week. Your and this time I did send you the game so you could better prepare for this. So uh, the first game of the week. Oh, and by the way, updating our scores. Mitchell is ahead seven to four, seven wow. to four. So he's pulling away. Um, so let's see about this week. First game is a Thanksgiving Day game. The Bills at the Saints. Who you got? Um, give me the Bills. Bounce back game. They need it desperately. Saints don't have a quarterback. Their offense really hasn't been able to do anything. I mean, they got hot late uh, last week. That's the, that's why their offense scored twenty nine. But uh, I don't I don't think they win this game. I think the Bills take it take it pretty easily. Yeah, I also have the Bills in this game. I think again. Uh, kind of just piggybacking off what you just said. They need a bounce back performance after that disappointing uh, loss last week. And uh, again, Trevor Simeon, not very good. So I don't trust, I don't trust him. So I've got the bills probably by two possessions in this game. Yeah. All right. Next game. Uh, the bucks at the Colts, the bucks at the Colts. Who you got you want me to pick first. Okay. Give me the Colts. Uh, the Colts are riding high right now. Um, I think the Buccaneers defense has some fatal flaws. I think Carson Wentz will be able to do enough. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines on the ground, that big offensive line. I, I think they're going to I think they're going to win this game. And then the Buccaneers are going to be sitting there at six and four and the Colts will be sitting there at seven and five. And the Colts will walk away with a better record coming out of that game. Yeah, I think both of these. I think this is really an interesting game because I think both teams kind of need this win. Yeah. Uh, both teams really need this win. The Colts are riding a high off a big win off over Buffalo last week. Are we basically the saying the Buccaneers are going to win this week, though? They're playing the night that we're recording. They're playing the Giants. Um, yes. They're going to yes. beat the Giants. Yes. So Bucks, beat the Giants. Sorry. Bucks beat the Giants uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, but I think the Bucks win this game against the Colts. I think Tom Brady... Uh, he's been frustrated these last couple of weeks. I think he figures it out tonight and beats the Giants, but then he also bounces back and wins a very close game. I understand the Bucks' defense is banged up, but I think I think Tom Brady does just enough to win this game and beat the Colts. All right, game number three: the Titans at the Patriots. Titans at Titans the Patriots. At the Patriots. Who you got? I'm, I mean, I think this is Patriots big time. Um, I think their defense. Bill Belichick has a whole week. To game plan against the run, he's actually had more than a week since they played on Thursday. They're gonna they're gonna see what Houston did to them. They're gonna take advantage of it. We saw what they did the Falcons. So I think Mac Jones is gonna make enough plays. Give me the Patriots. Yeah, I also have the Patriots. I got, and I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, Tennessee's not healthy in their run game, and as we talked about earlier in the show, 
They they have to run the ball to be effective. I think Bill mm-hmm. Belichick knows that. He's going to game plan for it. I mean, he's he's the he's the best defensive mind in the NFL. He's going to have his team prepared. I got the Patriots to win this game. 100%. All right. Game number four is my most anticipated game, the Rams at the Packers. I've I look, I've been very high on the Packers. Um, I told you they're the best team in the NFL. With all that being said, I've got the Rams winning this game. I think that means wow. more to them. I think they need it more. I think the Rams win this game. All right. This is an opportunity for me to gain a point. I've got the Packers in this game. It's at Lambeau. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, again, heartbreaking loss last week. I think Aaron Rodgers bounces back. I think Devontae Adams has a big game uh, against the Rams. Again, the Rams, it just kind of seems like they're very up and down. Um, And I think Sean McVay, I think it's a very close game. Very close game. I got the Packers winning on a game-winning field goal. Give me the Packers. There you go. And then game number five, the Browns at the Ravens. The Browns at the Ravens. Um, do, do we don't know if Lamar is going to be feeling 100 percent, uh, but the Browns it wasn't, looked, it wasn't COVID, was it? No, it's was, not COVID. It was it's just a bug or something like that. But yeah. still, we saw how COVID kind of affected him last year, last season <clears throat> when he got COVID. He was a little bit, a little bit shaky two games after that, one or two games after that. Um, that being said, the Browns barely beat the Lions. So exactly. Yeah. Um, I think the Ravens win this game. But the Browns have the pieces to kind of do what Miami did to them. Very low scoring game, but I think Lamar Jackson makes one play. Yeah, same. I, I think the Ravens win this game by a touchdown. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, I have not been impressed with what I've seen from him this year. Uh, barely beating Detroit last week, as you said, against a backup quarterback. Against <laughs> Tom Boyle or Tim Boyle, whatever his name is. Who <laughs> in the world is that? It. Who in the world is that? We you know almost who that lost. Is. I don't know who that is. is. He he, historically bad college quarterback that somehow got drafted. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I saw that wild story on him. If you guys have time, look look up his story. Somehow, some way, this guy had a chance in the NFL, and he was a terrible, terrible college quarterback. Yep. Um. So, I got the Ravens. I got the Ravens by a touchdown. Because uh, Nick Chubb had 130 rushing yards last week, and they still almost blew that game. And yeah. Detroit Boyle had like 77 yards passing, and DeAndre Swift had like a barely over 100 yards rushing, and they still almost came back and won that game. The Browns, I think, they had their chance to really get a bounce back win. I don't think it's this week. It's going to be in Baltimore. I, I really like Lamar Jackson. I think he'll be fine this Sunday. Uh, give me the Ravens to win this game. I mean, can we talk about, man, we get to watch the three and seven Bears versus the oh nine and one Lions prime time <laughs> on Thanksgiving while you're prime eating your time food, game. man. <laughs> Woo, that that man. has me in a tizzy, man. Whew. It's, it's funny. The Cowboys and the Lions are the two teams that always play on Thanksgiving. That's kind of just like tradition. But it's just really unfortunate that the Lions are as bad as they are because we have to watch a really bad team on Thanksgiving every, single every, every time. year. I think it's CBS always gets that game. Like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm sorry, Romo. <laughs> hey, oh, we're not man. picking that game, but I got the Bears. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the Bears like six Boyle to three. Boyle gets a Thanksgiving moment. Boyle's getting a Thanksgiving moment. Go Lions. Lions are winning. Six to three is your final score. He's eating the turkey leg. Boyle is eating the turkey leg. (laughs) Hey, hey. Let's do it. Let's do it. Go for it. Let's root for the Lions. We're rooting for the Lions. I'm rooting for the Lions. 
And now transitioning to everyone's favorite segment, right? <laughs> Zach knows basketball. He did not go perfect last week on his predictions for the Sacramento Almost. Kings versus Almost. the Raptors. Very upset about that, okay? Because he got De'Aaron Fox. He got the right with De'Aaron Fox, who scored 17 points on like 5 of 52 shooting. <laughs> Anyways, you did... You, and, the, and your Nuggets just took another hit, okay? Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to be out for the year oh. with a ruptured disc, so that's a bad one. Well, but, there goes my pick for the championship. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Maintain faith, okay? Black, so here, Black Friday, we've got the Washington Wizards versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who wins and who leads each team in scoring? Give me the Wizards. They're first in the East. Uh, give me... Uh, hey! Uh, hey who's on that team? <laughs> Florida grad. I have no idea who's Number three. on that team. Number three. I don't know. I don't okay. know who's on that team. Tell me what position will lead the team in scoring. Um, their starting point guard, their starting shooting guard, or their backup point guard, their backup shooting guard. Starting like power forward. Okay. No, no, no. You know what? You know what? Uh, the dude that that the Japanese guy. He's got a Japanese. He, he's last hurt. Name. He's hurt. Oh, he's hurt. Don't, Dang. Okay. Rui don't Hashimura's pick him. Hurt. Okay. Don't pick him. Uh, yeah. Whoever their power forward is, I don't know. Okay. Nice. Who is their starting point guard? Their starting power forward right now is Kyle Kuzma. Hey. Hey, there you go. I like that pick. Kyle Kuzma. In the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who plays on the Oklahoma City Thunder, Zach? Ah, geez. I have no idea either. You can just go starting starting lineup. Their their leading score is going to be their point guard. Their point guard. That's a good pick. Because that is Shea Gilgis Alexander, their best player. Okay. Is their starting point guard. There you yes, go. Sir. Good pick. Good pick. Good pick. And the, look, to my credit, the only reason I know the Wizards are first in the East is I was talking to my buddy Nick last night about basketball and he mentioned that. So that's the only reason I know that. Hey, look, you didn't have to say it. I was pretty shocked. <laughs> I mean, if you knew who second in the East was right now, it'd even be, it'd be even more. No, I have no, no clue. Brooklyn Nets. Could have probably could have gotten that one, Zach. Um, Anyways, now we're going to our long-term question. You've written down, you've written down both your long-term ones, right? Yes, Giannis for MVP, Nuggets in seven over Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, who is going to be crowned Rookie of the Year? I don't even know any rookies. Um, give me like the top five rookies, I guess, because I don't, I don't know. I'm don't not. Know I'm not putting them in order. I'm. I'm. T- I'll tell you the top five that were drafted but I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to tell you in the order they were drafted. So I'm just okay. going to name names, okay? Okay. Mob- Evan Mobley, Cleveland Cavaliers, Jalen Green, Houston Rockets, Cade Cunningham for the uh Detroit Pistons. Um wow, whoa. Whoa, give me a second. Give me Scott- Cade Cunningham. That's the only name I recognize. Okay. Cade Cunningham. Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes Raptors and number 5, who picked 5th? Um who picked 5th? I think it was the it was the Magic Jalen Suggs. But yeah, give me Cade Cunningham. That's the only Cade name I Cunningham. recognize. That's a look, so. that one. That one's probably gonna come true. Um, he's 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 finding his peak now. He was hurt the first four games, but he's starting to come around. Um, nice. College basketball, your favorite one. Oh. 
What team, led by Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez, is currently the second-ranked team in the country? <laughs> I will give you a hint. They made a deep run in March Madness last year. What conference are they in? This, that would give it away. They play in the Pac-12. They play in the Pac-12. I don't remember last year's March Madness. You don't UC- remember the game where Suggs hit that half-court buzzer beater? UCLA? UCLA. That okay. is correct. Okay. There we go. You got to give me a lot of hints, but I there got There you it. go. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> I'm in a giving mood. It's Thanksgiving. Okay? Yes, sir. I'm in a very giving mood. And look, there is Zach knows basketball. This one probably could work. He's got Kyle Kuzma trying to lead the score, lead the way for a Wizards team that has Bradley Beal on it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Bradley Beal. <laughs> Bradley Beal. Um, and then he's got um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is the leading scorer for the Thunder. So there you go. He's got Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick, winning rookie of the year. And he picked UCLA off his pure knowledge of college <laughs> basketball. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Pure, it's all up yeah. in the noggin. It's yeah, all up cause, here. Cause Zach knows basketball. That's correct. All right, moving on to our final—well, not our final segment, but uh, the MLB. Nice. Um, again, uh, we've got a couple different things we want to discuss this week. Um, let's talk about some of the MLB award winners, and I'd like to say that I got six out of eight of these correct. Good job. Six out of eight. Um, the only ones I did not get right was the National League MVP, which we will talk about <laughs> that. That is an absolute joke. Bryce Harper winning MVP is was was dumb. Yeah. Bryce Harper should not have been the MVP. Uh, Juan Soto, out of the three, Juan Soto should have won the MVP. But again, I'll mention this again, and I'll say this, and I'll say it as as many times as I need to. In the biggest series of the year, he went zero for eleven with five Ks. The Phillies, the Phillies were only two and a half games out of first, the last series of the year, chance to make the playoffs, and he went 0 for 11 <laughs> with 5Ks. Like, Bryce yeah. Harper is not the most valuable player because a player that has value makes your team better. Whereas the mm-hmm. Phillies, one of the highest payrolls in the league, haven't made the playoffs since Bryce Harper joined the team. Yeah. The Nationals, we said that before. The Nationals won the World Series the year that he left. You're not the most valuable player, man. Teams are better off without you. I don't care that you had a 309 batting average with 35 homers and 84 RBIs. The team is better without you. You're not the MVP. The only other one I missed... No, actually, I missed three. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, Robbie Ray won the American League Cy Young Award. It's deserved. I picked Lance Lynn, but hey... Robbie Ray was the best pitcher in in uh, in all of baseball this year. What's arguably, up with these double letter names. Yeah, Robbie Ray, Lance Lynn, like yeah, baseball I don't know. player names. But Robbie Ray, it'd be interesting, to, and we're going to talk about Robbie Ray in just a second with our free uh, our free agency predictions this this year. But uh, Robbie Ray's a big time free agent. A lot of people are looking at him. Uh, Corbin Burns won the National League Cy Young Award. I, I picked him. Oh, back to the American League MVP, Shohei Otani. Could it really have been anybody else? It shouldn't no. have been anyone else but Shohei. Um, and then I, I correctly picked Randy Arozarena to be the American League 
uh, Rookie of the Year. You got Jonathan India right too, and right. Jonathan India. So uh, yay on me! And then the only other one I missed was American League Manager of the Year, Kevin Cash. I understand why Kevin Cash won. Okay, the Mariners didn't make the playoffs. Out of out of Dusty Baker and Kevin Cash, I think Kevin Cash deserves it. So um, just just kind of a quick. The, really, the only thing I wanted to talk about was Bryce Harper doesn't deserve the MVP, and I'll take that to my grave. You can't change my mind. Bryce Harper did not deserve the MVP award. Um, next thing we're going to talk about is the Mitchell. I don't think you even know who this guy is. His name is Seiya Suzuki. I think that's how you say his name. I don't look, know. I, look, I, I'm going to run with it because he's probably like Shohei Otani, right? Uh, I don't think he's a two way player, uh, but this 27 year old Japan's 20. He won Japan's 2019 home run derby. He has spent nine years with the Hiroshima Toyo Carp, and he has hit 319 with 38 homers and 88 RBIs this season, and had a has a career 315 batting average with 182 homers and 562 RBIs. He's probably the most coveted international prospect this year. Um, Is it safe to say, Zach, he was hitting bombs for her yes. Hiroshima? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that's funny. But yes, uh, Seiya Suzuki, probably the hottest international player to hit the market. He has been um, listed, I believe that's what it's, or posted. He's been posted. What that basically means when it comes to signing international players is MLB teams have 30 days to offer him a contract. If he does not uh, agree to terms with any of those contracts after that 30-day period is up, then he must stay in Hiroshima. He must stay uh, in in the Japanese league. So... A lot of people are talking that Braves might be front runners for Seiya Suzuki. A lot hmm. of teams are bidding on him. It'll be interesting to see again? where he goes. Uh, I, I, he's an outfielder. I believe he's an okay. outfielder. He's yeah. a power hitting outfielder. Um, there's a lot of teams that could use him. Um, I saw the Braves were interested. I don't necessarily think we need him, but hey, it'd be interesting to have another home run hitter on this team. I'll give my prediction. Let me go home or pick. Come on, come to New York. Come to come to the come to the Big Apple, hey. baby. Come play with the Mets. <laughs> There you go. Come play hey, the Mets. The last couple of years, man, we've been the MLB. Lots of different teams have been signing players from the Japanese leagues, and they end up being the best player on their team. So, yep. Hey, it's and it's a guys trend. Like Yuli, Yuli Gurriel too. Like exactly. I mean, he's, yeah. he wasn't uh, Japanese, obviously, but he's yeah. I mean, he's a guy they signed. He's really, really good. Yeah, and Seiya Suzuki was big for the Japanese Olympic team this year for baseball too. So that's where he got a lot of his. But when the attention started coming on him was during the Olympics. Yeah. Um, next thing we want to talk about is uh, Cindergard's decision. Uh, he had an interview the other day uh, with some with some people from MLB, and and basically he said that his decision to leave New York, Cindergard did not want to leave New York. He said, "I wanted to stay in New York. I wanted to be a Met, but." I felt like the Mets were a little preoccupied with changing their front office. He said, I only heard from the Mets front office twice since I became a free agent. They sent me a qualifying offer and then they checked up on me a couple of weeks later, said if I was still interested and that was it. He's like, you know, I really wanted to stay in New York, but they just seemed so preoccupied with other things. And the angels general manager, the day I became a free agent called me up, had dinner with me. I was very impressed with him. And that's why I ended up signing in L.A. Why do we do crap like that? Every year. <laughs> I don't know, man. But hey, 
there's a lot of confidence in this new general manager for the Mets that he's going to be more aggressive, that he's going to be better. every year, Zach. I, know. I don't want to hear that crap. <laughs> I know. I know. Van Wiegen was supposed to be good or whatever his freaking name was. <laughs> yeah. But it's just another story of the Mets <gasps> being the Mets. Cindergaard lost because of the Mets being preoccupied with other things. <laughs> So um, now we're going to move on to the final uh, segment of MLB this year. Uh, I'm just going to go over the top 10 free agents and where I think they're going to land. Top 10 free agents. I'll give some, I'll I'll interject sometime, but this is you. This is you. Maybe not necessarily where I think they're going to land, but where I think they'd be a good fit, where I think they would uh, really be a good fit. And big story, there's five shortstops in the top 10 free agents. So, if you need a shortstop, this is the this is the class to get it from. This is the free agent class you're going to want to go out and get a shortstop if you need one. Hey, uh, as a Mets fan, we have got Mister One Eighty <laughs> batting average of one eighty seven, seven hundred million dollar contract, Francisco Lindor. Okay, we don't need a shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're not paying Javi Baez anymore. We're going to talk about Javi Baez. He's now a free Frick agent. Him. So, all right, we're going to start at the top. The number one free agent this offseason, Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa. Um, I think he's kind of trending towards maybe re-signing with Houston, but I think he would be a great fit, and this might not make sense for some, for some people, the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers have a history of kind of giving large contracts. I think Carlos, Car- Carlos Correa is the type of player that, maybe wants to be the guy and in Houston, while he is a guy, he's not necessarily the guy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So Detroit has got a long way to go before they're competitive, but Carlos Correa, he's going to help them win a few more games than they did last year. Could the angels make a play at Correa? uh, I don't think they necessarily need him. They've got enough infield pieces and they're already spending a lot of money on other guys. I think they could possibly make a pass at him, but, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's ne- he's needed in, in, in L.A. Fair. Uh, number two, Corey Seager is a free agent. Corey Seager. Um, I think, honestly, his best fit is the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees need a shortstop. And the New York Glaber's Yankees not there anymore. What? Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres. I don't I think they're looking to either move him to another position or they're looking to just bolster maybe bolster the the infield because you know Corey Seager can play more than just shortstop. Yeah. But I think Corey Seager, Yankees, Yankees, they're they're more than willing to be big spenders. They've got yeah. more than enough money to do it. And I think the Yankees are tired of not of not making deep runs in the playoffs anymore. I hate the Yankees, but knowing the Yankees fan base and their front office, they are tired of not making deep runs in the playoffs anymore. So I think that they make a big splash and go for Corey Seager. Uh, a name that I or a team that automatically just kind of popped into my mind is: Could he team up with his brother in Seattle? Uh, I'm I'm going to talk about Seattle very soon, very soon okay. in this, but I, I don't I don't think so. I don't think the Mariners. Um, let's just say their office, their front office, doesn't make smart decisions very much with their money. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't. I don't see it happening. Corey Seager, he's used to winning. He's going to want to go to a team that's got a history of winning. Yeah. Uh, number three, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. He is a free agent this year. Uh, I think 
it would be a good fit for him to stay in San Francisco, but I think this is going to excite you. The New York Mets signed Chris Bryant. Yes. The New York Mets need somebody like Chris Bryant to turn that team around. Culture changer. Yeah. Culture changer. A guy that's a steady bat, a reliable bat. He can play outfield or he can come in and play the infield. I think that would go a long way in kind of changing the trajectory. They've got a new general manager who says that he's more aggressive. This is your chance to prove it. Go out and get Chris Bryant. And look, you have New York money, so you can spend it. You can spend money on another guy. You've got Francisco Lindor, a great complimentary piece, Chris Bryant. And the number yeah, Pete Alonzo as well. And uh, uh, your second baseman, Jeff I McNeil. Don't, don't Jeff mention McNeil. him. I hate him. You hate Jeff McNeil? Jeff McNeil like is a great McNeil. player. I don't like him. Ah. Anyways, number four free agent, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer mm. is a free agent. Uh, me and you are not big fans of Max Scherzer, but look, he's a fantastic pitcher. He's only got a couple of years. I think he's going to be 38 this next season. I got the LA Angels signing him. I got the Angels signing Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer has said, look, he does, he knows he doesn't have a lot of time left. He wants to play for a contender. That's why he wanted out of Washington because they're rebuilding. Max Scherzer says, I ain't got time for that. I don't have a lot of time left in my career. I, I don't have time for a rebuild. Um, <clears throat> so I think the LA Angels, they need another bull, they not a bullpen piece. They need another starting piece. I think they make it they they give Scherzer a big one-year deal. They'll have Shohei Otani, Max Scherzer in that rotation. Hey, the Angels, it's not, yeah, Syndergaard, it's now or never for the Angels. They got to do something. And the first thing, in my opinion, the first thing you got to do to make yourself a championship team is your starting rotation. And this is the chance for the LA Angels to do that. Go get Max Scherzer. He also says he wants to be on the West Coast. He likes it in California. This is your chance to do that. Next up, Trevor Story. Trevor Story. Look, I like huh. Trevor Story, and I like the Colorado Rockies, but the Rockies have a long history of not re-signing franchise players. They let Trevor Arenado walk, or Nolan Arenado <laughs> walk, I got you. and I think they're going to let Trevor Story walk. And I think Trevor Story goes to the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals wow. could really use him. They already have a lot of superstars on that team. But look, they made the playoffs – their manager was in the running for manager of the year and they fired him. <laughs> that shows you how impatient they are. They're ready to start winning again. And I think they make a big splash move by getting Trevor Story. I like it. Next up, um, Marcus Simeon, another, another shortstop. Uh, Marcus Simeon had a great year. He was in the running for MVP for the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't think Toronto gets to keep him. I got the Chicago White Sox signing Marcus Simeon. Oh, so Tim Anderson's moving on. No, Tim Tim Anderson's going to stay at short. Marcus Simeon can play pretty much anywhere in the infield. Okay. You put Simeon at second for the White Sox. And the White Sox, look, they were number one in their division. They got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. They're just a couple pieces away, I really think, from being a team that can go deep in the playoffs, make a championship run. And I think that's a step in the right direction, getting somebody like Marcus Simeon. He's a great leader. He's a great clubhouse guy. Marcus Simeon to the White Sox. Again, I want to reiterate, this is not what I'm necessarily predicting is going to happen. I just think these are good fits for these players. Um, Next up, Robbie Ray. I got Robbie Ray staying in Toronto. I got Robbie Ray staying put. I think think Toronto has to stay competitive in that division. It's the most competitive division in baseball. Um, So I think Toronto, they've already shown that they're willing to pay 
Uh, Jose Barrios, I think they pay Robbie Ray as well, keep him in the rotation. Um, next up, Javi Baez, <laughs> Mr. Strikeout himself, Javi Baez. The man has got so much potential, but he just cannot stop striking out, and he doesn't seem willing to make the adjustments to stop striking out. He can go to the Diamondbacks. Last year, last year, Javi Baez, I believe, was on pace. I don't know if he actually did break the record, but was on pace to have the highest K rate ever for a starting player. Like when the Mets, when the Mets traded for him at the deadline, he had like a 35% K rate, which meant 35% of the time that he was up to the plate, he was striking out. And I think he had a 38% whiff rate, which meant 38% of the time he swings the bat, he doesn't make contact. That's really bad. But That's hey, when, like, oh my God. when he does make contact, though, the ball can go 450 feet. But he's got to fix some of those mechanics. And with that being said, I'm going to go with a team that is notorious for spending stupid money on stupid contracts. Seattle Mariners take a chance on Javi Baez. Okay. Javi Baez to Seattle. Um, you know, uh, they, they paid a really stupid, ridiculous contract to Robinson Cano. And I think they do the same thing here. I, I, I like the Mariners. I'm rooting for them. I want them to get to the playoffs. But their general manager and their front office has just a bad reputation of really ridiculous contracts. And I think they're going to try and do it again here. They're going to get Javi Baez. I like it. Next up, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. Look, I'm a Braves fan. I think he's staying in Atlanta. Um, yeah. he, he's fielding calls from other teams right now. That doesn't worry me. That doesn't concern me. I think Freddie Freeman is kind of saying, okay, look, now I know what I'm worth. The Yankees have given me a call. Some of these other teams have reached out to me. I know what I'm worth. Alex Anthopoulos, I'll give you a chance to match. You don't even have to give me a better deal than them. Just give me a matching contract and I'll stay here. Freddie Freeman has, has said multiple times he wants to be a lifer. And I know players say that all the time. They say that and then they leave. Yeah. But there's something about Freddie Freeman that's just genuine. You can, you can tell he really enjoys it here. I mean, he still lives in Southern California. He was born and raised there. And there's talks that he would leave Atlanta because his wife is very into fashion. And Atlanta's not a hub of fashion and stuff like that. But he's got so many connections here. He's built a life here. He's built a legacy here. He's already yeah. a legend. Um, I don't think he leaves as long as the Braves don't lowball him and give him a give him a ridiculously stupid contract, like like an insulting contract. I think he stays in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't see Freddie going anywhere. And then uh, n- the number ten, the final one we're going to talk about, Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman came out of nowhere this year and had a bounce back season for the Giants. Really helped them. Uh, my question is, where was that when he was with Atlanta? Because he definitely was not that dominant when he was with Atlanta. But I think the Dodgers take a chance on Kevin Gosman. They're going to go sign him. They're going to lose Max Scherzer. They're going to want to keep their team loaded. I think they. I think they sign uh, Gosman after seeing what he did on the Giants and how he outlasted, helped them outlast the Dodgers. I think they're going to go and sign uh, Kevin Gosman. So uh, that's that, a good those, middle of the rotation guy for him or yeah. for the Dodgers. Yeah. And th- those are, those are uh, the top 10 free agents and my, my predicted landing spots. And that concludes our MLB segment of the week. Sweet. And look, Hey, to finish off the show. I know we're going a little bit longer, but not too much longer, right? We're going to go, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving with y'all. 
maybe when you're listening to this, you're driving to Thanksgiving dinner, right? Hey. Or, or, or lunch or something. You're listening to us right now. We are going to give our top five Thanksgiving dishes starting from five. I will start with my number five. Zach will do his number five. We'll go four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. Okay. All right. Very quickly. Let's go. I'm going to start with my number five. The delicious, warm hash brown casserole. Okay. Ooh, that's good. Hash brown casserole. Just, I mean, does it need any more explanation? Man. It's not higher up on my list because of the onions. Okay. That's the Uh, only reason. You can't even taste the onions, dude. You can't Wait, even no, taste hey, it. Hey, this is a heartwarming segment, okay? We're not, we're not getting mad. <laughs> All right. Hash brown um, casserole. Before I mention my number five, I want to give an honorable mention. <laughs> my honorable mention is banana pudding. <gasps> That's no, my honorable mention. top five? I'm sorry it didn't make the top oh, five. Oh, no. The only reason it didn't make the top five is because usually I eat so much that I don't, I don't want to have dessert. I just can't. I don't have room for it. But banana pudding, especially our grandmother, Mama's banana pudding, it's the goat of all banana puddings, but it's my honorable mention. Number five, this is going to be controversial probably with a lot of you, cranberry sauce. (laughs) Cranberry sauce. Not the homemade kind, the canned jellied kind. (laughs) I love that stuff. Number five. Matter of fact... I had a really hard time choosing between eight different plates. So I, I had to think in my mind, okay, which one would I be most likely to go back for seconds for when I'm really full? Cranberry sauce is my number five. Sweet. My number four, simple mashed potatoes. Okay. Hey, mashed potatoes. You you some fluffy mashed potatoes, especially the ones that our family makes. It got those little, it's got those little, it's got the peeling in it as well. You mm. Put some butter in that. You whip it up. My goodness. Mashed potatoes, my number Man, four. You're making me really hungry. My number yes. four, corn casserole. Love mm. me some corn casserole. It's sweet. Man, it, it's just perfect. Well, it's not, it's not perfect because it's not number one. But yeah. man, it's so good. Especially your mom makes the best corn casserole. Can't wait Shout to have Christy. some. Shout out, Christy, my aunt. Um, yeah, corn casserole is my number four, man. My number three, turkey. Okay, give it to me. Turkey, 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 (laughs) especially a good moist turkey. We have a look. I've said moist on the podcast. The last (laughs) time I'll ever say it on the podcast. So, so delightful. You've got if it has the perfect salt and pepper seasoning. I know I sound white. Okay, perfect salt and pepper seasoning on the top. Man, just give me a good thing of turkey. Turkey is in my top three. Turkey's always so dry, though. Anyways, my number three hash brown casserole. It's higher than it is for you, man. I love hash brown casserole. It's one of my favorites, but I just couldn't put it in my top two. Hash brown casserole is my number three. And my number two is banana pudding. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's why I was a little appalled. Man, shout out, Elaine. I know you don't, you probably don't listen to this, but I'm going to tell you to listen to it because of this right here. You make the best banana pudding in the world and i'll go to my grave with it i'll go to my grave with it i will go to my grave that is why it's number two zach you already know what my number one is but let's just go to your number two my number two mashed potatoes mashed potatoes specifically my wife's mashed potatoes she's bringing them this year carson shout out carson my wife she makes the best mashed potatoes on earth i can't wait to have them for thanksgiving dinner Number two is mashed potatoes. My number one, say it for me, Zach. It's mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. <laughs> mac and cheese, baby. 
But I, I guess, am the guy. Guess what my number one is? Mac, mac and cheese. And cheese. Yes. <laughs> mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. I cover yeah. half my plate with mac and cheese. I am. Yes. It is. It is. I. You have the little six sections. Just. I know it's a podcast. You can't see what I'm doing with my hands. You get the six sections on the white plate. Okay. Usually the white yeah. plate. The big old white plate. Three of them are mac and cheese for me. Yes. It's got to be. It's, yes. It's got to be the crockpot mac and cheese. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Not the craft. No. Not any of that stuff. It's got to be the craft. You put craft mac and cheese for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Scum. <laughs> hey, dude. Some people may not be able to do anything else. I don't Look. care. <laughs> if you can, if you are financially capable and able, and you make craft. Scum. <laughs> Yes, crockpot mac and cheese is my number one. Man. I've known Mitchell since he was born. Okay, I've known him. My, I've known him his whole life. And uh, when he was a kid, that's just about the only thing he ever ate was mac and cheese. But hey, that's a legitimate only thing to eat. Mac and cheese is amazing. It's terrific, and it is the best Thanksgiving dish. Period. Period. And that wraps up the show today, Zach. Um, I think it was a very we, we some good conversations today. Uh, I mean, yes, sir. we're excited. I'm excited for Thanksgiving, excited for the start of ha- uh, holidays. Everyone that's listening. I know Zach wishes you one. I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Have a great time. It's the best day. Football, family, food. It just it doesn't get better than that. Yes. And it's going to be a good day of football. Yes, I sir. Think. I think happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Mitchell Graham. I'm Zach Brown. We will see you next week.